Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 228. This week, we're talking with James Sharp about missions in Nicaragua and a calling to Asia. You're going to be the one responsible when you talk to him face-to-face about why you didn't walk through those doors. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you to connect, care, give, and go. This show is made possible by God's grace and generous support from listeners like you. Visit engagingmissions.com slash patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, we're going to be talking with James Sharp about God's calling, balancing work and ministry and some of those things, missions in Nicaragua, and possible preparation for a long-term thing in Asia that's really not fully fleshed out yet. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Now, before we get into that, though, I do want to welcome Nicole and Jonathan, who recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. Welcome. It's really great to have you with us. And if you haven't done that yet, I would recommend that you visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions so that you can connect with us on Facebook as well. Now, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. We're going to go right to our time with James Sharp. All right, today I'm incredibly happy to have with me James Sharp. This is going to be an absolutely delightful conversation. He and I connected uh, a little over a week ago, and we just chatted a little bit, and I was so encouraged by his story about how God brought him and his wife together. And then just a few weeks, less than two months later, he was on a missions trip to Nicaragua. And now what God's doing is they're continuing to minister there as well as in a local church. And now God calling them toward something in a closed country in Asia. So James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is totally my pleasure. Believe me, it was it was great to connect with you, to hear your heart and what God's doing. And I'm now glad that we have an opportunity to kind of share some of that with the people that are listening. I just, I really, I love seeing what God does in the lives of his people. Now, let's talk a little bit about your journey. We, I kind of summarized a little bit about how you and your wife met and then leading, leaving on a missions trip. But I'm wondering, even before you felt that that specific call in your life from God, did you have plans? How, how were you approaching life and your vision for the future? So I guess I was a, a pretty selfish person, you know, not that there's not a degree of that now, but um, I was really living for myself and had kind of some really sad and pitiful goals for my own life set. Mm. And God just kind of came in and uh, wrecked shop. <laughs> he <laughs> he kind of did his own thing. And I, I just thank him for that on a pretty consistent basis, you know, I, even how me and Hannah met, that's just really been unforeseeable and also uh, a, a huge growing experience as we've moved forward together. 
That's really neat. And I appreciate your honesty and just sharing, you know, that your some of your goals seemed a little bit pitiful now that God has gotten a hold of you and started doing some things. Can you share a little bit about how, how God began to turn your heart as you were walking through that season of that first transition? I was brought up in a, a large family. I'm the sixth of uh, six boys and then two girls younger than me. Hmm. We were brought up in a, a Christian household. Our parents prayed over us every morning. And then every evening we were in the Word. So, you know, I was I was used to a, a discipled or a, a disciplined life of following after Jesus. But in my late teens, I did um, begin to be so compromised that, yeah, I really wasn't pursuing the things of God or, or having a heartbeat there. I guess I, I was on the road with a Christian metal band a lot. You know, we would go out three and four weeks at a time. And when we would come in, I would visit church with, with my parents here and there, but really I'd kind of had a bad taste uh, in my mouth for the local church hmm. and thought that I could just kind of do this relationship with God thing on my own. And God just began to deal with me about that in, in my early 20s, about how the church is really the family of God, that I needed to have a bigger picture of that, that people are messy and God gets in the middle of the mess and, and, and cleans it up. And so, you know, if he didn't run away from the mess, why would I? Mm. So God, God really opened up my heart to and my mind to see a, a better picture of what the church was meant to look like. And as he was doing that, I just I was sending a, a friend of ours to uh, mission trips. You know, she would send support letters through the local university here. And I just had this urge to go. I, I realized that what I was doing seemed pretty insignificant, and the report she was sending back of seeing lives change and people coming into the kingdom, it was just really uh, an eye-opener for me. And I realized that I could probably do something like that. So I reached out and talked to her about going on a trip, and she connected me with a guy named Ashton McIntyre, her cousin, who founded Willing to Go, the organization we're now with. And I I went on my first trip and God just kind of, from there, everything's history. Wow. I'd like to kind of go back for just a second, because you had mentioned that in your teen years, you were traveling with a metal band and that you kind of viewed this as your ability to do, your to live your faith on your own and kind of walking away from the mess in the church. And then God called you back into that mess. My my perspective is that when we get back into that mess, we begin to see beauty in some of that mess as well. Have Have you seen that as well? Yeah, really. My heart had hardened towards people and mm. uh, towards God's people, and He used really this little country church that I met my wife in to to really open up my heart. I, and I used to tell some of my family members that it, it felt like. God was giving me a supernatural love for for his body wow. uh, because it was just something new that I experienced that we can really, you know, Paul tells Timothy to talk to older men in the church as fathers and as uncles. And, and he gives this familial language as he goes down the different relationships. And I started to really, really understand that I was crying out for lost loved ones uh, in our church, you know, in my own prayer time as if they were my own family. And and so I really began to to have a heart that I feel like more closely resembled God's. 
When we were chatting first, one of the things that so stood out to me and impressed me was that when I heard you talking about where you believe God's calling you, and we'll get a little bit more into that in the future, that I see a lot of patience and I see a really long-term perspective and vision. And I'm wondering, how did God forge that level of patience and that kind of long-term vision in your life? The example of my, my dad. Mm. Really, he was a reverse engineer. So he died a couple of Octobers ago at his uh, memorial or funeral service. I was able to say, you know, look around in this room. It, it looks like my dad had this goal in mind all along. He looked at Revelation 5-9 and Revelation 7-9 and wanted to see the glory of God from every tribe and tongue. Mm. And he did that here. But, you know, you could look around that place and see different races, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic boundaries broken down and people giving glory to God for this life that had been lived. So I would I would attribute that to him, just the example of patience and and long suffering and and also the long term thinking, you know, if you're going to be long term, you have to have patience and you know, you have to wait on things anyway. So yeah. patience is, the, the test is whether or not you'll complain about it in the meantime. Oh, I, I like that. And I'm, I'm really... Th- I'm really thankful that you brought your your father and your family into this because I was also thinking about your family. You you have a wife and a I think two young kids now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Two daughters. Okay, yeah. And so you're you're in the states part of the time, but then you're also leading trips to to Nicaragua, and you've got a lot of different things going on right now. And I, I'm wondering, as as a as a as a father myself, how do you balance your time? How do you take advantage of those pockets? And and then how do you Make sure that you're giving what's needed in every area where you serve. I would say this is one of the things I struggle with. Mm. And and really, it's it's good to have a constant need for my prayer life. I've always got fuel there. Yeah. It never runs dry. I think being present when I'm there and, and not being double-minded mm. or distracted, not just with technology, but but just my thinking— being all there. That's something that I'm, I'm asking God to to really shape in me right now. Wow. Yeah, that, that's hard to do. Just as, as a father myself, I know it's so easy to get distracted by all the things that I want to do and forget about that girl that wants to snuggle for a couple of minutes or, or something like that. As you think about your your family, your life, the, the ministry that God's had you in so far, can you think of a time when you were really facing a, a significant challenge or something that you weren't sure was going to happen and God really came through and saw you through that? It kind of all goes back to that first trip oh, I went to. Yeah, went to Nicaragua, and we went to a peninsula called Cosaguina. There were two house churches on either end. Uh, we met there to encourage the believers, to encourage them to continue meeting, and then just build relationships and and have a good time with them. And on one end of the peninsula, there was a person of peace who had been uh, a saved, had been a Christian for quite some time. Uh, but relatively a uh, short time, you know. And on the other end, that that person of peace had passed away, and there really hadn't been anyone who who had taken to the gospel yet. So there was, it hadn't taken root. So there there was excitement on the front end, saying like it was like the Book of Acts coming alive right before me. But yeah, then but then on the other end, there was like a burden, you know. Why is it that? The church has been around this long, and Jesus' words haven't changed. 
and the Great Commission is here, yet 2,000 years go by, and we're, uh, you know, more than 2,000, and we're, we're seeing these people who are just now getting the name of Jesus and the gospel. And so this was bugging me. It was becoming a burden, and I actually asked the, the mission leader, and he took the time to explain to me about unreached people groups. Mm. And, and I remember just being so overwhelmed and overcome with that. I even stopped while we were walking. I stopped in my tracks and asked him to explain it again because I thought surely I heard wrong. Maybe it was walking on the volcanic ash or something. I didn't know. <laughs> and he, he, he rewound and just kind of laid it out there again. You know, he said, hey, there's two plus billion people uh, in the world outside of the reach of the gospel. Mm. And so the the connection with these remote access peoples in Nicaragua really opened that door for me. I, I look back and see God using a lot of different tools, using that conversation. That mission leader was in a course called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement at the time. Mm-hmm. We came back as a family and took that course. And I'm actually in the process of taking it right now again as as I can make it. That course was a, a huge resource in our life for God showing us just that he has a plan to to make it happen and that we don't need to only be overcome by the burden. We need to take that and, and get a heart for God's people like like he has a heart for his children. At the same time, he's called us all to play a role and and that we can step into that. But it took a long time to see all of that unfolding. And so I, I had to look back and see the resources, but at the time I, I just felt Almost lost, you know, certainly at a loss for words, but almost lost as to how how do you make a dent in this? I, I can imagine what, kind of imagine what that might be like to sit through that and realize the enormity of the, the call, the enormity of the challenge that's in front of you, and then to feel like that's resting on your shoulders rather than resting on God's. And, you know, I appreciate the perspective that it's it's really his calling and you're just walking into it, but I'm wondering— in the moment when you know that there are literally billions of people who have never actually even had the opportunity to hear the name Jesus, much less understand the gospel, how do you walk in that knowledge and continue to function? Yeah, I think I think what God had been doing all the time before that, and as far as opening me up to people, giving me a love for the local church and seeing his body as a family, it made me instead of embittered at the church for having been around and near and in the church for almost 30 years at that point and not having heard this news, instead of being embittered by that, it made me want to come back and make a difference and start not only learning more about it, and really I was obsessing over it, but I was I was talking to small groups and to coworkers, and it was just something that really took a hold of every part of my life, really. Mm. That's good. I'd like to shift now a little bit more toward the the ministry that you have going on and then the ministry that's upcoming. And like we talked about, we're not going to name the name of the place that you're going because that's a place that doesn't consider itself open to the gospel. Although I'm certain that God does, we don't want to do anything to hinder your ability to get there. And I'm wondering, right now you're serving in Nicaragua you know, doing some trips and things like that, but you're also preparing for some things coming up in a completely different culture. And I'm wondering, how are you beginning to prepare culturally to understand and to to begin bringing the gospel to where God's calling you toward? I'm reading a lot, although I'm, I'm meeting with people right now. We're kind of in a 
ministry partnership development phase between January and April. So while we're doing that, it's a little harder to continue the reading mm. schedule as as rigorously as I would like. But I'm continuing to read things like Saving God's Face by Jackson Wu and just getting into uh, a lot of stuff that comes out of the Honor Shame. I believe they're called the Honor Shame Network, maybe. They have a YouTube channel. They've written books. They even have a translation of like Second Peter that brings out the honor, shame language, because that is a culture that we're going to. Um, and then also reading just a classic Communicating Christ Cross-Culturally by David Hesselgrave. So I'm, I'm really digging into those things and trying to understand, because America is really more of an innocence guilt-based culture, and I'm trying to understand the, the honor-shame aspect before we really get boots on the ground, but then also just spending a lot of time talking to people who have been in this part of the world and and reaching out. And sometimes that can be hard, uh, especially given that it's a closed country. But I, I've been finding that the more we, we kind of step into this, we kind of learn almost some protocol on how to reach out to someone and and let them know, you know, that you're a trustworthy person and that you're interested not only in what they're doing, but their knowledge and their wisdom and how they can help continue to invest in the kingdom by by giving you some of the, that knowledge. Oh, that, that's great. And, you know, with the, the honor-shame culture, you keyed in on something that I barely understand myself. I'm definitely a North American. I, I understand innocence and guilt, but honor and shame, that's a real big, real big mind bender for me. But I also understand that as I read the Bible, I begin to see places where that's in Scripture. Have you begun to have your eyes opened to the honor-shame understanding in the Bible? One of the really cool things that I've noticed is, is the word glory. All throughout Scripture, you know, if you read some of John Piper's work, like Let the Nations Be Glad or or the Perspectives course, take something like mm. that, your eyes will be open to, to the story of God's glory all throughout the Bible. And I've begun to realize that glory can somewhat be synonymous with with honor. Okay. So God is God is seeking honor all throughout Scripture. That's that's the story of of the Bible is that God's seeking honor. So it's given me for sure a new lens on how to even understand the the meta narrative of scripture. Yeah. Let's talk about that honor or that glory for a second because having talked to you a couple times now I get the sense that what you're doing your best to be about is God's glory or God's honor and not yourself. And I'm wondering can you share any perspective that would help us do that better as well? I think that and the, again, this is going back to John Piper. He says, missions exist because worship doesn't. Mm. One of the, the shorter Westminster Catechism questions, I, I believe it's the very first one, is what is the chief end of man? Mm-hmm. The answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Yeah. And Piper, he changes one little preposition in there, and it makes all the difference in the world. He says, to worship God by enjoying Him forever. When we live out of this place of, of fullness, out of this uh, abundant joy that Christ gives us and is available to us, we're able to to bring God more glory. And and really, glory is just intrinsic worth or, or value. Mm. So you're looking at the brightness and the brilliance of God, and it's already His, and it's already due Him, and it's, it's already surrounding Him. So when you've been in His presence, it's like Moses 
you come away from that and your countenance has changed. The very way you look and come across and interact with people has changed. And I believe that just the more that we enjoy our intimacy with Christ and the more we have a better working knowledge or definition of worship, and that's really just a sacrificial lifestyle committed to God, that that everything is His and belongs to Him in the first place. I believe that when we when we come from that level of fullness or overflowing, that it's just kind of a natural outflow that that mission happen and and I mean that whether to unreached people groups or right here at home, hmm. I think mission flows out of worship. Wow, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the transitions you've been involved in. You know, you've worked full time and then you've taken vacations to go on and lead missions trips. Now you're in the process of transitioning, so you're raising funds, you're building partnerships, and you're beginning to prepare in earnest for what God has coming for you. And in the middle of that transition, I would imagine that there have been some surprises. What surprised you over the last few months? Oh, there's so much. Um... <laughs> that that's that's hard to to pick. I I'll give you a handful of examples. Yeah. Um one would be that part of this journey is sitting with folks and just sharing our vision for ministry, sharing kind of the story like we've done here today of of how God called us and and really thrust us into into the mission world and as I'm doing that, we're looking for people who will will have our back in prayer. But also they'll say, financially, I want to support that and see see to it that that work get done. And I want to play a role. Mm. And so I've noticed that a lot of times after I've talked my head off and, and then I finally shut up, there's a moment when they, over and over, I'm being surprised by people on the other side of the table who say, you know, I'm so glad you reached out to me. This is what God's doing in my life. Wow. And a lot of it has been just life-changing news. You know, hey, I'm, I'm leaving my career as well, and I'm actually following God into this ministry. Mm. And then some of some of them have just said, "We're we've been looking for a place, people we know to to give above and beyond our tithe, and and we support things in our local church, but we also want to see God moving elsewhere. And we've been blessed, and we want to be a blessing. And so." That has really shocked me, although it shouldn't. Uh, it, it really has. You know, it, it's been a, a huge surprise to me, especially the cases where people are saying, you know, I, I feel like God is calling me into vocational ministry. Or one example is a guy right down the the road from me who I've known, and we even took perspectives the first time together. And as I'm following up with him, he had already told me, you know, I feel like God is calling me in this direction as well. And I, I'm going to keep you up to date. Well, in just a few weeks' time, when I followed up with him, he tells me that he's going to the same area I am. Oh. Um, and so he's starting his transition, and he's getting into a, an organization with a lot of training. And, and so he's starting his process as well. So that's just been awesome. And then I think the other, the other big surprise has been just how God provides on time, uh, on his time. Mm. And so this is, this is practical and I don't know, it may be too personal, but as, as we left my job, we had a certain amount that we had to raise in order to live on for the next three to four months while we raised support. I was in the process of 
kind of leaving one thing, letting go with one hand and, and grabbing onto the other. And uh, just, I guess, poor execution on my part. I I was thinking that we would be receiving like a monthly check system with, with the agency or with the organization. And I realized mm. as soon as we started and we really got most of the paperwork done that it's actually monthly and it's on like the 22nd of the month. And so we were kind of biting our nails on that. And then we noticed that we didn't have to dip into the emergency fund or anything. And and then when we got our sales sheets out and we were looking at our budget and everything, there was just no explanation other than God of how of of how we made it to that date. So yeah. that was that was really incredible. That that's really cool. You you've talked a little bit about some of the surprises and some of the partnerships as you're approaching people and sharing your heart. And, you know, sometimes I suspect that there are people who, for lack of a better phrase, are kind of sitting in the pews right now and they're going, you know, it's really cool that James has been called to this, but God didn't lead me that direction. Does that make me a second-class Christian or something like that? What would you share with somebody who's beginning to feel a little bit downtrodden because their calling isn't the same as yours? I would just say, look at what Paul says about the body. You know, we can't all be an eye or an ear because we wouldn't be a fully functioning body. While we're all called to mission, we're all called uh, not only an upward call to God in Christ Jesus, but we're also called to become a minister. In Ephesians 4, when it talks about the equippers, the fivefold ministry, it says that they are given to us, to the body, to build us up for works of ministry. So that means the entire body ministers. And while God has a specific field and a specific scenario for for our family, He also has one for yours. Oftentimes, we play different roles in the same team, I guess you would say. So if there were one for, let's say, one for every 1,000 church members who went to an unreached people group, that that would be an awesome number. Mm. But it takes it takes that other 1,000 not only doing their role here in the States to help evangelize the lost and make disciples and plant churches, but also to support what's going on in the unreached people groups. And, and not just that, but but all missionary efforts. As you think about your experience with short-term missions, that very first trip to Nicaragua and then God beginning to open your eyes up to the the reality of unreached people groups and now a calling toward a place where where we can't actually talk about that. As you look over your time through all of that, how do you see God's hand guiding you and then guiding you into the future? You know, Jim Elliott, one of his quotes is that we don't need a vision, we have a verse. Mm. And I look at that and think, you know, we have a a book full of verses. The entire story of Scripture is Jesus coming to save humanity and then calling us into that same story of rescue. And while I'm a big fan of, of Jim Elliott and of that, I also do believe that God sometimes directs us in, in a particular area. And, yeah. and so that language of calling... It, it it can be helpful for us when I really realized that our church was involved with uh, unengaged, unreached people groups. It was a, a special moment for me just as a part of the body. But I was at a conference with our pastor and one of the elders, and we're learning more about how we can adopt these people and pray for them. And 
it was it was at that conference that God kind of made it clear to me and nudged me in a in a particular direction towards these people groups. It can count kind of sound dramatic and and epic, but really what happened is I guess pointed to the region we're headed to and said, spiritually speaking, when this is one of the darkest places on the planet. Mm. And then he described the rest of the room how the reality of why they're the last reached peoples is because they're some of the hardest and darkest to get to. Mm-hmm. And as he was explaining that, I was listening, but when he said, spiritually speaking, this one of the darkest places on the planet, it was like, I could feel my heart jump out of my chest. <laughs> and I just wanted to to take a flag and stab it right there in, in that mountain range. And I knew that it was something of a heart transplant that God was giving me a little bit of a, his heart for for his people in this part of the world. I've seen God do some special things like that, but he also just guides you in relationships. Yeah. And I think that's one of the the key areas is getting to know people just asking people, "Hey, can I bug you? <laughs> can I, you know, can I become your shadow? Can I ask you this and that?" And you'll be surprised how few people ask other ministers and 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 not just ministers, but other people in the faith to to really mentor them or or to share some of their knowledge. And a lot of times, it brings honor to somebody when you ask them that. So I, I've seen him move a lot personally and directly in our in our hearts and in our lives. But I've seen mostly that he uses the context of relationship to to shift burdens, to renew passions, and and really to give us more and more information that that will help us walk more clearly in in the right path. That's that's excellent. I I was thinking about some of the preparation that you've been doing. And when we were talking, you mentioned that the the place that you're going, we're going to call it a creative access place. And so the, the very nature of that is that you have to be creative in order to access it because it's not considered open to the gospel. And I'm wondering, as you've been working through this, are there any potential strategies that you're looking at to engage people and get to the places where you ordinarily couldn't get? Yeah, right now, one of the things that we're we're thought, thinking and talking about is just how Jesus did it and how he went home to home. Mm. And even when he sent the 12 and then even the 72, he, he sent them out ahead of him to the places he was going to go. And he said, go to, to a home until you find someone open. Uh, and that doesn't just mean open to the gospel, but open to you and, and willing to show you hospitality because often that builds a bridge to the gospel. And so we're really looking at going in this area as, as tourists mm. on tourist visas. And we're open to the possibility of doing some sort of business as mission uh, in the future, if that's what God would have us do. But we really, we do have a conviction that we, as much as possible, want to do gospel work while we're there. Wow! And so we want that to to be kind of the dominant thing. You have to just be careful and and wise as you as you go about it but I'll be learning from someone who's got 20 something years of experience and and I'll really be watching him do the groundwork as I go for these first at least seven and a half or excuse me six and a half to seven years wow that and again that takes me back to that original vision a multi-year vision to get there so often I think that we connect with people who they've got a year to raise funds and boots on the ground within the first year 
or they're back to the back to the workplace. And when I say boots on the ground, I mean in the country where they feel like they're called. Have there been any challenges as you've been raising funds and creating partnerships and trying to follow God in all of this, where people have looked at this and said, I don't know if I want to invest six or seven years for you to live in the States and work on something that might not work out? Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I've had a few pushback on that and just kind of say, well, have you seen this work for anyone else? Have you seen this as a workable method? And and we have. We have. We've seen um, the person I'm learning from operate this way since 2008. And so that's one of the major reasons we're partnering with him, that and a, and a shared vision for the same people groups. One of the things about that is that we just kind of have to to take the pushback, kind of eat the meat and spit out the bones, you know. So, <laughs> so there's something there's something to what they're saying there, you know. There's a there's another um, element of challenge. There's another barrier to the bringing the gospel there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, if God's called you to do something and, and He's opening the doors for you left and right, you're going to be the one responsible uh, when you talk to Him face-to-face about why you didn't walk through those doors. Yeah. And so you have to be confident in that and the direction and really in the method too. While you want to hold it loosely and and have a humble posture, you also want to know what you're getting into and how it's going to be done. Because there's more at stake here than just, say, my security or my getting kicked out of a country or jailed even for a long period. You're looking at you're looking at the mission of God being thwarted in an area where it's still not been and where there's no effort going on. There's a lot more at stake than than our feelings and then about being right and having every answer along the way. You know, we'll, we'll have some and we have some contingencies and some plans in case of this and that. But a lot of where we're going has to be learned when we get there, you know. As you think about the preparation and what God has shown you so so far, if you were to sit down with somebody like your friend or somebody else who's beginning to prepare for a, a calling toward vocational missions, and they wanted to learn from your experience so far, what would you share with them if you could just share one or two things? I would give a warning that if in the large scheme of things, I've really only been doing this five minutes, you know, <laughs> if yeah. you really look at the big picture. The, the first two things I would say is, and this is going to sound just common sense, but to abide in Christ. You know, sometimes we can live off old fumes and old fuel. You can't do that uh, when you're on mission for Christ. And it'll run out quickly. You'll get burned out. There's all kinds of missionary self-care stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, because we can't handle the trauma that we see, the lostness that we see. We have to give that to Christ and and without a working relationship where we're really abiding in Him and and seeing fruit come from that, then it's going to be hard because we're not meant to shoulder it by ourselves. So I would say abiding in Christ. And then the other thing is making sure you're not going alone. So Mm -hmm. even if, if, if you're physically, if you're the one only one going, be as creative and as innovative as possible about how you're going to see your ministry partnership, uh, how you're going to see them go along with you. So whether that's even through various forms of social media or working on having a, a good virtual private network in place and 
set at times where you connect with people and do phone conferences or mm. some sort of connection where you're praying together with people who already have your back in prayer, but you're able to connect with them on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Wow. Great, great stuff. Is there a book or a resource that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Yeah, there's, there's several. And this one is a classic. It's probably been mentioned on the show before, but through Gates of Splendor, hmm. the story of the, the five who were speared to death in Ecuador, okay. uh, including Jim Elliott. So that one I, I read last year and just read it all the way through in a day. I, I couldn't put it down. Wow. That that one's really moving. The other one, if if you're looking at going into ministry, would probably be The God Ask by okay. Steve Shadrach. That comes out of the Support Rating Solutions Ministry. And it, it's just a really good practical tool. You know, if you're looking at doing mission full time, this is one of the key things that, that you got to start with. Yeah, I've I've had several people recommend that book. In fact, I, I gave away a couple of copies of it, too, to people that were trying to raise funds and were kind of struggling. So great recommendation there. I Actually, I think this might be the first time the, the book about the five in Ecuador came up, but it might have been one other time. But great recommendations. How can we best pray for you? I would just harken back to uh, that piece in our conversation earlier mm. about uh, fatherhood and, and being a, a good present husband and father. Just right now, I'm gone a lot for long stretches of time. And I need to be I need to be going to things, but I need to be going to the things that, that God would have me go to. So I need to be aware of when there is a no mm. as my answer. So that would be the biggest thing on, on my plate right now. And then secondly, it would be that supernaturally, I would like to be able to have a, a special gift for acquiring the language that, that I'm going after. Oh, that would be great. And for those of you that are listening, I would like to encourage you, just take a minute, pause this recording, and take a minute to pray for James and for his family and lift him up that God would do exactly what he's asked right now. I know if you're like me, it's easy to think, well, I'll do that before I go to bed. But the reality is, if I do it that way, I'm going to forget. So just take a minute and do that right now. Now, James, I also had one last question for you because I know that you're in the process right now of forming partnerships and raising funds. And I'm wondering if somebody's connecting with your story and they want to find out more about you and what you're about and consider partnership, is there a good way for them to connect with you? Yeah, there's there's all kinds of ways. So I'll start with kind of old school and move in to the modern. You can call me. My name is James Sharp, and I'll go ahead and give my number. It's 318-669-7987, 318-669-7987. And I would just love to connect, whether video chatting or, or over the phone with people. If you don't prefer that, if you'd like a, a quicker touch, you can contact me through email, jamessharptbi at hotmail.com. So there's two S's in there at the end of James and beginning of mm -hmm. Sharp, jamessharptbi at hotmail.com. Uh, and then, of course, I'm on all the social media outlets, uh, Instagram at the James Sharp, <laughs> Twitter at the James Sharp, and then uh, on Facebook, James Edward Sharp. And then I've got two websites for you. So willingtogo.com, spelled out, willingtogo.com. That's the organization we're going with. And then 
jamesedwardsharp.com. And that's just really my own personal blog site, but we do uh, fairly consistently put some some of what we're doing with the ministry out there. Um, some of it has to be password protected. So if you just reach out to me, I can give you those passwords if you'd like to read an article. And for those of you that are listening, that's a lot of ways to connect. If you couldn't remember them all, stop by the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash James Sharp. We'll make sure that we put ways for you to connect with him right there because we want you, if you're feeling like God is leading you in this direction, we want you to be able to connect with James so that you can take part in what God's doing there. Not in what James is doing, but in what in what God's doing. And so we want to offer you that opportunity. James, I want to say thank you so much. This has been an absolute, absolute delight. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed hearing James's heart and what God's done in his life. I thought it was a great conversation and I'm glad to have been able to connect with him. I'd like to say thank you to James for taking the time to be with us. I really do appreciate that. The show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash James Sharp. That's a great way to connect and to find the resources that we talked about. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be talking about a prayer resource for the church, something to help equip us to pray better for unreached people groups and some of the things that are connected with that. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation because we don't just talk about the resources. We also talk about the person, the person we're going to be having as our guest. And he's got a great story, and I was glad to be able to connect with him and to bring that to you. I think you're going to really enjoy that. To make sure that you don't miss that, Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe and just choose your favorite podcast app so that you can hear it whenever it's available. That's the absolute best way to make sure that you never miss an episode of the Engaging Missions show. And if you have any feedback for me, I would love to hear from you. You can send a note to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Again, I would love to hear from you. Anything that I can do better, anything that you appreciate, just Uh, just saying hello. I would love to hear from you. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. Now, one last time, thank you for joining us. It was great to have you here. I can't wait to connect with you again in a couple of weeks.